0: covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When they were few in number, of little count and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. When he summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread, he sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters, his neck was put in a collar of iron. Until what he had said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Then the king sent and released him. The rulers of the people set him free. He made him Lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his will, teach his elders wisdom. Let's bow in prayer. Dear Father, thank you for this um, chance we have to gather together um, as uh, a yeah, free country. Lord, I thank you for um, our, our church, Lord, for each one that was able to, to join us today. I Ask Lord, that you please would um, prepare our hearts even now, um, as we as we worship, Lord, that it would be pleasing in Your sight, and that it would be uh, edifying to to us, Lord. Um, I would ask that you please would um, also just prepare our hearts to um, be able to hear hear Your Word preached. Um, I, I do pray for Pastor Nate as he um, yeah comes to share the Word with us later on. That You would empower him. That You would give him boldness and Clarity as he as he um, yeah shares your word that we would we clearly know um, yeah how to apply it to our lives and and that um, we would have willing obedient hearts to to listen. Uh, yeah, um, do also just pray for um, our, our missionaries, Lord. I think of um, uh, Janet and Herb Hunter, Lord. as they're um, working doing the um, yeah church plants are exactly what they're doing there in South Africa but just you would um, continue to to empower them that they would um, not be weary and well-doing but that they would um, sense your leading and they would also just see the, the fruit from their labors so that their hearts would be encouraged and um, yeah that they would make just to find um, strength and fellowship from those those around them there would you also just um, uh, yeah just pray for the many, Lord. I, I know there's been several families here that have been um, going through surgery or whatever else, Lord. I would just pray for continued continued healing there and strength, and, um, and for the many other other needs, Lord, that you would just continue to provide for our needs, that we would, we would see you, you faithful, Lord. You are faithful, and we just thank you for this time now. In Jesus' name.
1: All praise to him.
2: As Pastor Nate has been leading us through the different elements of our church covenant together, we at the same time have been uh, considering one element from that covenant each Sunday morning. And uh, so this morning, uh, the element that we are considering is uh, this one, this phrase here, that uh, uh, together uh, with all of us who are part of Beaumont Baptist Church, Uh, We covenant that we will seek the salvation of the unconverted. And there is probably no more well-known passage uh, to express that than our Lord's words to his disciples, recorded, for example, here in Mark 16, where he says to them, after he has returned from the dead, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And it's for this reason that we covenant together to bring the good news of Jesus to those who are around us. The truth is that uh, as with every other part of the life of faith, our lives that we live throughout the week, we go through our work and we, we have our family life, we have our neighbors who are around us, it can be very easy to lose perspective On what God's Word tells us is true we can begin to uh, forget the situation that us and the people who are around us are really in and so as an application of this part of our covenant today I want to encourage us to ask God for grace particularly this week to look at the people around us the way that God looks at them to see them as they really are uh, as people who are in Urgent need of the good news of Jesus. And uh, not people who are divided by different types of work or different you know backgrounds culturally or all those other things underneath the most urgent reality that each person around us in our family, in our neighborhood, in our work environment, needs the good news of Christ. So let's pray for grace for that this week. Holy Father, we thank you that the message of your love to us through Jesus has reached us, has reached those of us who are the members of Beaumont Baptist Church. God, we know, we totally understand and we affirm and gratefully rejoice in the truth today that your word did not come to us with this good news because we were so deserving, that we have not figured it out because we are so clever and intelligent. Rather, it was just your grace to us that brought the message of your love to us in Jesus. And so, Father, we pray that you would graciously help us in the same way to see the people that you have chosen to put us next to, our sons and daughters, our spouses, Our siblings, our parents, people in our extended family, our neighbors who live around us, the people that we work with, our clients and our customers and our co-workers and our bosses, the people that we interact with in our community organizations, our friends, whoever it is, Lord. Help us to see their true state and to see them as you see them. Because, Father, there is no person who does not need to hear the good news of your love in Christ. Whoever does not believe these words is condemned, you tell us. But because you did not want to condemn the world, you sent your Son so that the world could be saved. And you sent through him the apostles and the prophets of the New Testament, To carry that message out and it has come down through the ages, through times and places in your providence to us. We pray, Father, that you would give us grace to this week resolve that we will not be the end of the line for that message. But that we will see those around us as people in need of the truth of condemnation and sin and hope in Jesus. Give us that perspective first, Father. Help us to have that thought as we interact with people day by day. And through that truth, boldness, and resolution by your grace to give the good news of Christ to those who need it, just as it was given to us. And so through this, we pray that you would be glorified. pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Well at this time we have a kids class available and this Sunday because we have a potluck to follow our worship service, the kids class is right back here in the garage. So kids, you are more than welcome to make your way there uh, with your teachers at this time. And uh, we really are grateful for all the children that God has put in our families and ministries here at Beaumont Baptist Church. Um, Also every Sunday, if you're unaware, we have a nursery. Uh, that just is uh, held in this back room right over here. It's fully staffed, and parents, are more than welcome to drop your kids off at that. And of course, your kids are always welcome with us right here in the worship service. Uh, I want to invite you at this time to join me in the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 21. James 1, 21. Would you think that the following things are negative or positive? An uncoachable athlete an unteachable student, an untrainable apprentice, or perhaps to top them all off, an incorrigible toddler. None of those characteristics are really positive in a person, and perhaps worst of all, thinking of things in that category, of people in that category, perhaps worst of all, is an unteachable Christian. Christians can lose their ability to be taught when you think about a brand new Christian and, and a, 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 someone that's just been uh, born spiritually and the hunger for God's word, the hunger to be with God's people, and yet sometimes what happens over the course of the years, Christians get a little bit crusty, and they lose that. Christians can lose their ability to be taught, and God's plan for all of us is that what starts at the very beginning, that hunger would grow and grow and grow and grow until we behold Jesus face to face. The next commitment of our church covenant, number 12, is what we're going to consider today. We've been working through it. If you don't have a copy of that, there are copies on the back of the red table. Uh, right over here, but we've just been examining these and and their biblical nature and trying to to wrestle through, okay, God, how do we live these out? And so we come to number 12 today, which says this, I will remain teachable before the preaching of God's word. Do you ever want to get to the point in your life where that is no longer the case? Or is it possible that right here today that, that you are a bit hardened somehow to God's word and the preaching of it? God expects you to humbly receive the preaching of his word. And I've asked you to turn to James 1.21, and we are going to dip right into this incredible uh, paragraph or, or grouping of paragraphs on receiving the word of God. And many of us have probably heard several messages on this text, and so we're going to do something unique here today. I'm going to literally grab just a phrase or two and just see if we can hone in on it and digest it and grab it. And it's the second half of James one. Verse 21, where God gives us this command, Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Now, perhaps at first glance, that sounds like an invitation to the unbeliever, the person who has not yet received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, an invitation for that person to receive the good news of the gospel, what Dave was just talking about. But that's actually not what this verse is. James has been addressing Christians, and in his language, he's using the language of brothers. He used that word in verse 2 of chapter 1, verse 9, verse 16, verse 19. You'll see him use it again in chapter 2, verse 1. He's addressing Christians. In fact, back in verse 18 of chapter 1, James spoke of believers being born by the word of truth or being born by the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done. And now here, verse 21, tells us that the Word has been planted somewhere. That's what we do with seeds. And the Word of God, the Gospel, has been planted somewhere, presumably so that growth might occur. Where has God planted His Word? Where has God planted the Gospel? And I think based on other passages of Scripture, we would say, well, the heart... God's word is the seed in the human heart, the soil. As we look at this biblical commitment from our covenant here today, we're going to work through five simple realities again about it. And the first one is that it is biblical. It is a biblical commitment. The Bible teaches that you should remain teachable before the preaching of God's word. This is not some idea that I have or something that whoever wrote our church covenant, whenever that happened, just threw in there. Our text this morning offers at least four keys to remaining teachable before the preaching of God's word. First key, obey the command to receive the preached word. James writes, receive with meekness the implanted word. Uh, Though that command relates to more than simply the preaching of God's word, it certainly would include it. (coughs) I mean, it it would relate to when you just open up your Bible and read it. It would relate to when it's preached. Any time we encounter the word of God and come face to face with it, what are we going to do? Well, you should receive the preached word. I want you to turn over with me to Second. You can keep your finger here, but turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. You should welcome the preached word into your life and be willing to be shaped by it. And as I say that, I recognize that that, that is a bit of a generic statement. Well, yes, of course, I am. Yeah. That's what I should do. I should welcome it, and I should be eager to receive it. But can we get more specific? And I think we can, as we put our eyes here on 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, a very well-known passage. We read there that all Scripture is breathed out by God. These are God's words. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for four specific things. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. To what end? Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, implying that without it, you're not equipped for every good work. I once heard someone relate the items listed in those verses to a road, and I I thought it was helpful. So the first uh, item that's mentioned in the list is teaching or doctrine, which would basically be this, Here is the road. Okay, here's the road that God wants you to walk. Here's the Christian life that God wants you to live. And then next, reproof. Oh man, you've stepped off the road. You've stepped into sin or or something like that. And then next on the list is correction. You need to get back on the road. And here's how that can be done according to scripture. And then finally, training in righteousness. Here's how you stay on the road and keep walking and keep growing. If the Word helps us through those four specific elements, then we should expect that the preaching of the Word would consist of those same four elements. Depending on the text being preached, some sermons might consist of all four of those very obviously, where others may be more heavily weighted towards one or a few of them. By the way, a total random side note here that you might find somewhat helpful if that's the pattern for how God helps his children with his word, then it's probably an excellent pattern for you to carry over into your own parenting and training of your children. I mean, just think about this for a moment. Often what happens in, as we raise our children, it's, hey, you did something wrong, and here's the consequence for that. And that's not really restorative or corrective or uh, bringing things full circle. And yet as we look at how God relates to us with, the, with his word, it's always full circle with us. And I think something like this would apply to parenting and so many other realms, is you're trying to help anybody with anything. It's beautiful what God does. But back specifically to this idea of the preaching of God's word, God wants you to willingly receive doctrine. That's the first thing on the list there in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. When God's word is preached here, you will be taught doctrine. And you want to be willing to humbly bow to the text of God's word, whatever it says, even if it's uncomfortable. Or perhaps it does not seem to match your presuppositions. Or maybe it doesn't match your doctrinal heritage. Well, I always grew up being taught this. This must be right. Or it doesn't match your personal experience. I will say, preaching through books as a pastor, I have had many sections of scripture that I went in thinking a certain thing, And by the time I had studied through a couple chapters and preached through a couple chapters, I thought, you know what? My views have changed. Or they've been nuanced a little better. I'm not sure I can hold that position as firmly or as strongly in this position that I didn't hold very strongly. I need to. And really, all of us, as we stick our our noses in the word of God, as it's taught to us, as it's preached to us, we want to ask, is this what the word of the Lord says, regardless of what I feel or what I think? (coughs) or what I may have been taught in the past, we bow before the word of God. God wants you to willingly receive doctrine, and God wants you to willingly receive reproof. Certain Sundays, you are going to sit down here in this room, probably every single one of us, and God, through the preaching of his word, is essentially going to look you right in the eyes. And he is going to say, you are in the wrong. You are in sin. What do you do? What you are doing, what you are thinking, what you are believing, the, that internal attitude that, that you're having is wrong. And God wants you to willingly receive that. His word brings reproof. And so the preaching of his word would do that as well. God wants you to willingly receive correction. The preaching of God's word is sometimes going to tell you something like this. You've gone off the road. You're you're not on the biblical road what God is calling you to. You're not living that out. So here's how you get back on the road. Don't you love that about the word of God? It's not, hey, you know what? You've got all sorts of problems. Wham, wham, wham. We're done with you. That's not how God relates to us. You're in the wrong. Here's the road. Here's how you get back on it. And at times that's going to look like this. You need to confess and and repent of what you've done. You need to believe what God has said. Here are God's promises. Here's the truth he put on the table. You need to ask God and possibly someone else for forgiveness and seek restoration. Further, God wants you to willingly receive training in righteousness as God's word is preached. The preached word, if you receive it, will help you walk the right road and stay on it, it will strengthen you, it will help you move forward, it will help you grow. You should receive the preached word, but what's implied there is actually that you could reject it, the preached word. You could harden yourself against it and a sort of numbing effect could begin to occur. How does that brand new baby Christian 20 years down the road actually just sit there in services and walk out unchanged? How does a person get there? It could be much like going to your doctor and your doctor says, hey, we just ran all these tests and I want you to listen because this is really important. If you don't slow down and you don't take care of yourself and you don't start to make some changes, you are going to have a heart attack. It's just a matter of time. You need to listen and hopefully as any good patient going to the doctor would be like, thank you. I mean, I have no idea how I'm going to do that, but I'm glad you told me and I'm going to try. Or the other approach could just be like, yeah, whatever, this has been working for me and I don't want to change, I don't want to do this, I just, I want to live my life the way I want to live it. God wants you to obey the command to receive the preached word. There's a second key to remaining teachable and that is to focus on the way that you receive the preached word. God speaks to the manner or disposition that you and I should have as the word of God is preached. And I, I think what we can think oftentimes is that we can come to a setting like this and we're kind of just passively here. We just showed up and that's good. And by the way, it's awesome you're here. But God cares about the manner with which you receive or the way you receive the preached word. You should receive the preached word with humility. Back in James chapter 1, verse 21, our text here today, what, what are we told? We're told to receive with meekness, receive with humility the implanted word. In other words, you are not listening well to the preached word if you are not listening with humility. And what does that look like? Well, it probably here would be a few examples. As you come and you sit down and God's word is open. I mean, you are sitting there and in your heart you are saying, perhaps praying to the Lord, God, I need this. These words were written for me and i need to grow i'm not i'm not yet what god wants me to be i'm very much a work in progress i have sin struggles i i need whatever god has for me today from the pages of his word god wrote this for me for us i don't have it all figured out and even this posture i think of god would you would you hit me so to speak lovingly with your word whatever you want to say i'm listening and I'm trying to come here and hear your word preached with all of my defenses, all of my arms, all of my defensive postures set down. And my ears are open. Receive with meekness the implanted word. You should receive the preached word with humility. But I think we could add to that that you should receive the preached word with hunger. This whole idea of reception. Reception. Throughout scripture, God's word is likened to food. For example, Job spoke of God's word this way in Job 23, verse 12. He said, I have not departed from the commandment of his, God's lips. And then he says that he has treasured the words of his, of God's mouth, more than my portion of daily food. I don't know about you, but I really treasure my portion of daily food. I get excited about it. I can't wait. And if I miss it, it's like, that's not okay. And Job says, I have treasured your words more than than if I get to eat today. As a Christian, you should have a hunger for the word of God. And that should manifest itself as you come to church. I think if I could give you two two words put together, it would really capture the idea. Humble hunger. And we see an exemplary model of this in the Jewish Christians of Berea. Uh, Paul preached in their synagogue. And Luke records for us in Acts chapter 17, verse 11 of these people, he said that these Jews were more noble, one translation says, open-minded, than those in Thessalonica. And then give special attention to this next phrase, and just note how it corresponds to the one in James. They received the word with all eagerness. What James has exhorted us to do, we see that these people did. And it it continues there, that they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. God wants us to be like that, humble and hungry for the word of God. And so we want to focus on the way that we receive the preached word. By God's grace, you want to receive it with humble hunger. A third key to remaining teachable is the value the treasure of receiving the preached word. James speaks of receiving with meekness not someone's opinion, not someone's experience, not someone's (coughs) excellent, marvelous, wonderful thoughts. Not someone's wisdom. Not someone's stories. But the implanted word. And when God's word is preached and we open it up and we, we, we look at it and it's declared, that's exactly what we get. We get the word of God. Uh, we read about how this this book is breathed out by God. These are his words. And what does the Bible say about itself? I mean, what if you were to just try to fill in the blank for a moment in your mind? God's word is what? Can you think of any scriptures that speak about what God's word is like? God's word is what? I can give you a few examples. It's truth. John 17, verse 17 says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. God's word is alive, Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to, to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Every time I read the, those words, I think about this. We study many, many books. We open up books. I mean, some of you have earned multiple degrees, and you have opened up textbook after textbook after textbook, and what have you done with that textbook? You've opened it up, and you've studied it, and you've examined it. But it's a dead book. This book is described as being alive, meaning this that you don't just sit down and open it up and examine it. As soon as you open it up, it examines you. And that's what's being talked about here that it's a two edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit. I mean, God's word just goes right in there. It's light. Psalm 119, 105 Your word is a lamp to my feet and light to my path. Do your feet need light? the lamp of God's word. Of course they do. It's life-giving food. Matthew 4, verse 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's righteous. Psalm 119, 160, the, the sum, the entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. It's eternal. Isaiah 4, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades. We all do. But the word of God will stand forever. And consider this, it is also the single weapon of our spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6 verse 17 admonishes us to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You do realize that the list that I just gave you is nothing more than the tip of the iceberg? I mean, time would totally fail us here today to capture all that God's word is. In every regard, the word of God is a priceless treasure, and so we are told, receive with meekness the implanted word. Value the treasure of receiving the preached word. And a fourth key to remaining teachable, weigh the results of that. Weigh the results of receiving the preached word. You could ask yourself a question like this: What will the outcomes be in your life if you receive it? What will the outcomes be in your life if you do exactly what you're being admonished to do right this very moment? And what will the outcomes be in your life if you do the opposite if you reject it? We'll listen to our text again in James 1:21, and let's give special attention to the last phrase. We're told, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is what? Which is able to save your souls. According to that last verse, when you receive God's word, when you receive the preaching of, of the word with humility, three spectacular components all converge together. And if you look, look back down at the text and that phrase, what three components are all converging together. What are they? Well, first we have the words power and ability. We read of of God's word that it is able, that it has power and ability to do something. So first the words power and ability, and what, what comes with that? Salvation and deliverance. And one more thing, You. The words power and ability, salvation and deliverance in you. This powerful book, when received, will deliver you again and again and again and again. It will set you free. It will set you free from sin and its powerful grip. It will set you free from your flesh and its unredeemable, its unredeemable destructive ways constantly vying within you to, to have its wills fulfilled, its desire fulfilled. And the word of God will help you walk in the spirit instead. It will set you free from the devil and his attacks. Our Lord used the word of God when Satan tried to tempt him. It will set you free from the world and its allure. It will set you free and it will liberate you from your fears and from your anxieties. It will set you free from your feeble doubts. And the crushing weights that come just hammering down on your soul. This book is breathed out by God. And he says that his words are life. And so is it any wonder that they are able to save your soul? Let me tell you something that God does every single Sunday, not just here at Beaumont Baptist Church, but all around the world. Every single Sunday, very ordinary men stand up. Insignificant men stand up. And they preach this book as very frail, very weak, insufficient, men. And God, through the power of his word, radically changes people's lives. And that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians in the first few chapters there. This is not about me or anybody else, but the wisdom of the word of God and the wisdom of the gospel. One of my favorite Charles Spurgeon's quotes is this. Perhaps you've heard it before. The word of God is like a lion I don't go to the zoo very often, but truthfully, if I ever go, the lion cage or enclosure is probably the better politically correct word. It's like my favorite animal to see. They're normally sleeping, but when a lion stands up on its feet and moves and is active, it's incredible. And Spurgeon said this, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion, Spurgeon said. All you have to do is let the lion loose And it will defend itself. Weigh the results of receiving the preached word. If week after week you come in and you receive the preaching of God's word, you will be among the freest of the free. And if you don't, you will be among the bound, the enslaved, the crushed. God expects you to humbly receive the preaching of his word. It's a biblical commitment. So we're looking at this particular commitment of our covenant. We've seen that it's a biblical commitment Let's move to a second simple reality about it. It is a threatened commitment. And as I just stated, it is threatened to your own peril. What might keep you from receiving the preached word? Well, James chapter 1, I think, would help us think about that a bit. Pride and indifference would keep you from receiving it. These often replace the humble hunger that James 1 calls for. And if instead of hungry, hungry, hunger for the Word of God, and in that place of that comes pride and indifference. I mean, you could be content with just where you're at. I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy my life is working for me, at least right now, and I don't even want to change. Or you could have a low view of God's Word. You know, it's just a book. It's hard to understand. Or you might become hung up on the messenger in some way, shape, or form. As I mentioned just a few moments ago, every single Sunday, very ordinary men stand up and preach this book with high voices and low voices, with with better presentation skills and oratory skills and all the rest. Some men with greater charisma than others, some who speak slow, some who speak too fast. Or there's a relationship between the person preaching it and Something, I don't know, there's something there. And as God's word is preached, you just, you get hung up on something in the messenger. Or you could be a hearer and not a doer, as James chapter one, the, right where our text is at, talks about. That you could stand before the mirror of God's word and you could see yourself and you could walk away unchanged. I think anytime that we have unconfessed, unrepentant sin in our lives, it's particularly hard to receive the word of God John Bunyan famously wrote in the cover of his Bible, either this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And I think all of us know that to be true by experience. You may want to hold on to your sin, or you, you frankly just may not like what it says. There was a king in the Old Testament named Ahab. You remember Ahab? He had a lot of problems. Well, Ahab had 400 counselors who were basically there to tell him exactly what he wanted to hear. I mean, Ahab's reign was like, hey guys, just tell me, it just needs to be my way. I mean, that's Ahab. He's got these 400 men that tell him what he wants to hear all day long. And Ahab's about to go to war beside this other king. And that other king said, actually, I love your 400 guys, but I'd like to hear from somebody else. I'd like to get counsel from somebody else on what we're about to do. And Ahab told the other king something to this effect. Well, here's the deal. I mean, I could go get counsel from this other prophet of God. His name's Micaiah. But I hate him. (laughs) Do you know why I hate him? Because I never like what he says. He never says good things about me. And so Micaiah is brought to give these two kings counsel. And as he's being summoned, he's also being begged to tell Ahab, King Ahab, what he wanted to hear. Make sure you tell Ahab what he needs to hear. And Micaiah replies in 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 14. He says, I'm not going to do that. As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. I'm just the messenger. And whatever the king, the true king says, that's exactly what I read. Really Well, Ahab didn't like that. Ahab, I mean, Micaiah didn't tell Ahab what he wanted to hear, and so King Ahab throws this guy in prison, and they decide to go to a battle against the counsel of the Lord. Ahab didn't listen, and he was killed in battle. God expects you to humbly receive the preaching of his word. When God speaks, we listen. That's what we do. Uh, If you have a physical copy of God's word in your hand, I want you to do something with me at this point. You may have God's word on your phone or a tablet or something, if that's the case, just maybe watch up here for a moment. But if you have a physical copy of God's word, I want you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah. It's almost kind of right in the middle of your Bible. And you can find the book of Isaiah and tuck a finger there in that book. If you can't, here's mine right there in the middle got one finger in Isaiah. And once you get there, you can keep a finger there and turn to the book of Matthew, the New Testament. Maybe you got a finger there as well. So if you're looking this way, I've got one finger here. This is the book of Isaiah, a prophet. And then here the New Testament, Matthew. And I've got all these pages in between. This is how thick it is in my Bible. I think it's 250 to 300 pages. Maybe you're holding right within your hands these same books. Isaiah all the way up to the New Testament. Do you know what you're holding between your fingers right now? You're holding within your hands the message of the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. People often think of the Old Testament prophets as predictors. And yes, they were that. God spoke of future events through these men, but the vast majority of the prophet's message actually wasn't prediction. I mean, if, if, if you read these books, it's not like, hey, here's what's gonna happen, here's what's gonna happen hundreds of years from now. It, it, that, that's not the vast majority of what you're reading. The vast majority of the prophet's message was not prediction, but preaching. The prophets were preachers. <coughs> they were heralds who stood up again and again and again and proclaimed, thus saith the Lord. These are God's words, not mine. This is God's message to you, not mine. In fact, for some of those men, they would have probably been fine if God never called him to, to deliver their message, his message. But they were faithfully, here's God's truth, and I'm here to share it with you. And through the preaching of the prophets, God was calling Israel and Judah to repent of their idolatrous ways and their spiritual adultery against God himself. They were announcing that judgment is coming. And for hundreds of years, God faithfully sent preacher after preacher to his people, but the people of Israel wouldn't listen. We're good. We like like how it's going for us. We've got a good arrangement with all these other nations. We like their gods. We like their wives. It works. They wouldn't listen. And sure enough, God's loving, chastening hand came down very, very heavy on his people because they had abandoned him. God expects you to humbly receive the preaching of his word and it's so easy to do exactly what God's people did for centuries, I'm good. It's wor- this is working for me. It's a threatened commitment and threatened to your own peril. Number three, third reality, it is a practical commitment. Here are a few ways that you can live this commitment out. One would be uh, just the whole idea of advanced prayer. Listen to what the psalmist prayed in Psalm 119, verse 18. and maybe think about how you can apply this to the preaching of God's word. The psalmist prayed, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. What if sometime prior to the preaching of God's word, sometime prior to gathering with God's people on Sunday, or even... Uh, Once we've gathered, you could pray something like this to the Lord. God, would you help me to receive your word? God, my ears are open. And whatever you want to say to me today, I am listening. Would you open my eyes? Would you open my ears? Would you feed me? Advanced prayer. Also, the idea of advanced confession of sin. If you're there in James chapter 1, look at verse 21 again. And notice what precedes the, the, the little text that we chose for today. James 1.21 starts this, this way. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. If you can make every effort to come to the preaching of God's word already right with God and already right And James is admonishing us here. If you want to receive my word, my truth, deal with your sin. Make it right. And also the idea of attentive and active listening. Listening and receiving. That actually takes a lot of work. And you want to work to listen well. You you want to try to avoid the passive. I just came, I I sat, I went out. No, I came and I paid attention. And, And that may look different for all of us. Uh, some of you may be note takers, and the way you process is you just sit there, and I mean, you're you're taking crazy notes. Just you're just going, you're writing, and you're grabbing, and this is good. In others, if you if you try to do that, you would not hear a single thing. That's me. I just like if I start taking notes, I'm not listening at all. And whatever works for you, you want to come in and say, God, give me your help so that I can listen well. God expects you to humbly receive the preaching of his word. It's a practical commitment. Number four, it is a grace-required commitment. I want to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. Obviously, you need to put some effort in as the word of God is preached in practical ways, like I just mentioned. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you need God's help. And you need God's grace. For example, God tells us of the critical role that the Holy Spirit, His Spirit, plays in our understanding of His words and consequently our understanding and grasping of the preaching of God's words. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12-14. to 14. And these verses are really about the crucial role that the Spirit of God plays in helping us understand God's truth. Paul said this, he said, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is from God. We've received Him. Why? That we might understand the things freely given us by God. In verse 13, And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The things of God, are we understand them by the Spirit of God. The natural person, verse 14, says, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they're folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. I think this really big picture from those verses, what is very clear is that God has given us the precious gift of his Spirit, and it is his Spirit that helps us understand his words. And I think we want to humbly come to the preaching of God's Word recognizing that I have three degrees of theology, and I open up this book many times and go, I don't know what's going on there. I'm not sure what's being said there. What? All of us have that experience, and I think the simple reality is we want, we want to study, we want to, we want to mind the truth from God's word, but at the end of the day, No matter how much study we've done, no matter how many degrees we have, or by the way, how many degrees we don't have. God says the essential ingredient to understanding this book is him. Not a pile of degrees. We need his help. And so we all come to this book and we say, God, I need your grace. Would you open up your words to me? We sing a song here that I think is so good, we often sing it before the preaching of God's word, it's called Speak, O Lord. And it's, it's a prayer that we sing, God, would you speak? Or would you help us to receive the words, your holy words? Would you feed us, would you help us? That's what we want, it is a grace required commitment. And number five, it is a gospel driven commitment.
3: What would cause
1: you to hunger for the Word of God? Well, notice where Jeremiah 31, verse 33, says that God places His Word not under the Old Covenant, but the New Covenant. God says, I will put my law within them, within His people, and I will write it on their hearts. Where does this all begin? Where does our hunger for the Word of God begin? If you are a Christian, God has given you a new heart and he has planted the seed of the gospel, the seed of his word, the seed of his truth in it. And it is the gospel that would even give us a hunger for this book. Everything goes back to the gospel work of Christ in the heart. It's the gospel at work in our lives that causes us to hunger for the words of God. This is a gospel-driven commitment. And you could hear all this and, and, and maybe you're like, man, I guess I'm supposed to like hear preaching and listen and try to do something with it. But where this all begins is with the work of Christ. And maybe you have come here today and I mean, you heard Dave before me, he was up here talking about people, uh, hearing the good news of Jesus and I'm talking about God doing something in people's hearts so that they're actually hungry for the word. God wants to do something amazing in your heart and in your life. The Bible describes all of our hearts as, as like hard as stone by nature, by birth, and that we're, we're distanced from God and even at odds with him. And yet God in his wonderful mercy, mercy and compassion sent his son, Jesus Christ, from heaven here. And Jesus took on flesh and blood. He's always been, but he took on humanity. And he lived in our place, and ultimately he died on the cross to pay for our sin. So that you and I could be new people, new creatures. And what he calls, what God calls all of us to is to repentance and faith. Basically to say, God, I'm a sinner. I, I have not lived for you. Okay, there's no question about that. I admit it. I confess it. And I don't want that life anymore. I don't want to live against you. I want to live for you. I don't want to live a life of sin. I want to set free from that. And so God would, I acknowledge that. But God, would you save me? Jesus, you tell me Jesus did something for me in the pages of your, your word. You tell me Jesus died for me and that he was buried and that he rose again. And if I'll put all my confidence and trust in him to save me, he'll give me new life. He'll cause me to be new. He'll change something in my heart. You can't earn that. You can't buy that. It's something God gives you as a gift. And if you've never experienced that, if you're not a new creation then God says this, repent and believe the gospel or the good news. You don't don't work for this. God does this for you. And if you don't have this new life, I'd encourage you to do what God admonishes you to do. And maybe in just a moment, as I pray to God, you just sit there and say, God, you're right, I'm a sinner. My heart is hard. I love my sin. But what Jesus did, I believe you can save me. Will you? Will you make me new? Will you make me whole? And he will. He promises to do that very thing. Very quickly, as we wrap up, we've made the same three applications every week. Here's the first one live it. God expects you to live this out. Week after week, as you hear God's word preached, we want to apply this. But we want to encourage you as well, our elders want to encourage you to pray the commitment that you see in in the covenant. Um, That's why we've made several of them available. We hope that you'll grab a copy, stuff it in your Bible. And these biblical commitments that we see in our covenant, what if we all prayed those for ourselves as individuals and we prayed them for each other? God, would you help me to respond to the preaching of your word like that? God, would you help us to respond to the preaching of your word like that? And then number three, try to make that contagious. We are a people who want to be hungry together for the word of God. God expects you and I to humbly receive the preaching of his word. Would you bow your head with me? At this time, and you're going to have some time to respond to the preaching of God's word here at this time, I just want to encourage you to, as we all sit here quietly in our seats, to pray to the Lord, however he may be leading you, and uh, you take the time to respond to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that you have breathed out and placed in our hands. God, we thank you for the precious gift of your word. We pray that we would receive it with humble hunger, with meekness, and we would treasure it. And Lord, we trust that as we do that, it will do what you sent it to do in our lives. It will save, it will deliver our souls again and again and again. Thank you for this priceless treasure. Thank you for the gift of opening up. And God, we we pray that we would, no matter who preaches it here at Beaumont Baptist Church, that we would be quick and ready to receive it. And we thank you for its power, that it is alive. Thank you for this time that we have shared in this book here this afternoon. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can look this way. We have uh, the privilege here today to partake of the Lord's Supper together. And then after that, we're going to share a meal together as a church family. And one of our elders, Greg Hunter, is going to come and lead us as we go to the Lord's table. And I just want to say the great delight that it is actually for me as a pastor uh, to go sit down here in just a moment and have another brother, uh, another elder come up and lead our congregation. Uh, For me as a pastor, that is just a, a very simple and great joy, and thinking about the words of um, 1 Thessalonians, in the last chapter, verse 13 says of those who labor among you in the Lord, it says to esteem them very highly and love because of their work, and I'm just so grateful for men like Greg who are faithfully uh, leading and shepherding our flock, and thankful uh, that Greg can come lead us to the Lord's table at this time as we celebrate our great and awesome God and uh, our Savior, and remember his work on the cross for us. So Greg, uh, would you come and uh,
4: lead us to the table?
5: It's a joy to be here. I invite Michael and Bob to come up well, and lead you believers, in the as we take this moment to reflect on the Lord's table, on his death, for and resurrection for us. This is, for all believers, it's not just for the people of Bowman Baptist, we, I know we have guests here today, if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, on what he did on the cross alone, not of your own works, but of, of his gift to us, if that's you, you're more than welcome to. Join us. That being said, the Lord, as we just, Pastor Nate just preached, he determines through his word how we're to do this. And receive what he says here in 1 Corinthians 11, 27 and 29. It's possible that you're a believer that's not in a place where you should be partaking today. So hear these words of our Lord. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning, the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Also, we can reflect on these words that David in the Psalms often was reflecting Where his heart was at in Psalm 26, verse 2, he says, Prove me, O Lord, and try me, test my heart and my mind. So, do that before you partake. Make sure that you're right with the Lord, that you're right with brothers and sisters in Christ. If you are, by all means, partake with that. Bob, would you come and pray for the bread?
3: Let's pray. Father, we come to you this afternoon and uh, it's a privilege to be able to be called your children and to partake in in a simple observance of what your son did for us to make it possible for us to be your children. It's so often just words on the page and a ritual and something that we know, a fact that happened. Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again, went to heaven, and it's just a fact. But we know that what happened to him and what he willingly submitted himself to was a um, horrific act of self-sacrifice for centuries the Israelites had been watching daily on a regular basis animals being sacrificed and their blood being taken and offered as a payment or as a uh, satisfaction for the sin that they committed and they they confessed to I'm sure many in this room have never seen an animal slaughtered but it would have been a horrific experience. And for Jesus to go and willingly put himself in that situation, remember the story of the the account of his, his, his facing that situation in the garden. His humanity screamed that he didn't want to do it, but he said, nevertheless, Lord, Father, your will be done, not mine. And he willingly went to the cross and uh, suffered the excruciating pain of a physical crucifixion. And we know it was effective because he raised from the dead. You declared it was effective. And then he went to heaven and he sits at the right hand with you with no more need for sacrifice. No more need for bloodshed. All those animals were not enough. But your son's sacrifice was sufficient, more than enough. And we now want to remember what he's done for us. And rehearse it in our minds and uh, trust that our love will grow for him, for you, to become just like he was Thank you for his shedding, for his sacrifice of his flesh. And as we take the bread this afternoon, we want to remember the cost of it and the effectiveness of it. We pray these things all in his name. Amen.
5: in the back, so we'll wait till it gets back there. Okay, we made it. Yeah. First Corinthians 11, verse 23, we read, The Lord, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
0: Father, I do thank you for this um, solemn time that we have to to come and uh, remember your your death, your sacrifice for us. Um, particularly, think of the, the blood that was shed. Um, I think of that verse, Lord, that says, um, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So, um, Lord, we we thank you um, for the shedding of blood, your own blood, that you gave on behalf uh, of us, Lord, of our sin to... Um, to cleanse us once and for all. And so, as he said, um, not with the, with the blood of bulls and goats, but with your own blood um, that you, you shed that um, cleanses us. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for that. And we, um, yeah, just also look forward to the, the time, Lord, when we'll um, share this this cup with you um, in heaven, our final marriage supper of the Lamb. Lord, we, we look forward to that day I'm grateful for this time now to, to remember it, but I also look forward to the day when we can do that um, with you in your kingdom. Thank you for this time. Yeah, Just for your love towards us. In Jesus' name. Amen.
5: same way in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this covenant this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup proclaim the lord's death until he comes
1: Just a moment we'll have the joy of singing one more song together before we do that i want to say a few things by way of announcement every sunday we uh, just highlight that one of the ways that we worship is uh, through giving and one of the a couple ways that can be done there's an offering plate on the red table in the back as well as there's some guidance online about how electronic giving can be done as we worship the lord with our resources um, this tuesday evening We have our men's Bible study at 7 o'clock here right here at the building we'd love to have you men join us for that Uh, right after this service we have a meal that we're going to share together a potluck and if if you didn't know about that you just came I hope you know that you're invited Uh, we'd love to have you stick around and I'm sure we will have plenty of food and we would love to have you sit and join us for that Um, on December 3rd here in a few weeks we have a baptism service scheduled and if you have trusted Christ as your Savior and you have not yet been baptized. I would love to talk with you about that, and it'd be a joy uh, to celebrate with you as you follow the Lord in Believer's Baptism. So come see me if that's an interest of yours. If you're a child, I always encourage you to go talk to your mom and dad about that uh, first thing there. And then one other thing I wanted to mention uh, here today is we have several of our people that have gone through a little series. It's just called Foundations Bible Truths for Christian Growth. We've never done anything officially with it, but I just started handing some of these books to people over the last couple of years and encouraging them to go through the book with other people. And it just kind of more people kept coming and, hey, could I do that? And I'd be interested in that. And just had a lot of people over the last couple of years that have done it. And so I would strongly encourage you if, if you've never just had the chance to even go through some really basic uh, things related to the Christian life and the teachings of the Bible, and you would like that, I would love to connect you with another uh, man or woman to go through this with. I think you would immensely benefit from it, and it would be a delightful time shared together in God's Word. So just wanted to mention that if that is of any interest to you. Well, I want to invite you to stand here. I'm going to pray for our meal, and then we'll conclude by singing one more song together. Let's pray. God, thank you that we can share a meal together this is the sort of thing that a family does (laughs) that our families do many times a day because we're a family and god thank you as a church family that we can share a meal together and sit around tables enjoy food and enjoy community what we have just uh, celebrated and proclaimed in the lord's supper here today and may that be reflected in the meal that we share together here this evening In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.